0: What's going on and welcome into a game day edition of the pelicans podcast presented by sea geek i'm daniel sowers and hope everyone is geared up for game six tonight 6 30 p.m central time if you're not inside the arena i'm gonna wonder why but good news is you can watch on television locally on valley sports new orleans where you'll be able to hear and see aaron Hardigan, who will be hosting pre-game halftime and post-game from inside the smoothie king center of course jim ikenoffer will join me inside after the game and also before the game outside the arenas, we're all gearing up for tonight's ball game, Aaron, I appreciate you coming on. It's nice to have you in the city of new Orleans for a game six. How are you feeling this morning?
1: Um, I have pregame jitters, which is normally a good thing. It's normally a good sign for me and tiger woods who reminds us that if you're not nervous, then get out this game, right? Right. Get out out of whatever you're doing. If you don't have these, these pregame, emotion so to speak. I'm I'm ready man and I uh, I'm hoping they they pack the house. Once again, I know it's another sellout sea of red. Nola versus everybody is tonight's theme. And uh so Phoenix, if that's the case, buckle up.
0: Jim, you are the Tiger Woods of writing, so I do want to ask you how you <laughs> feel like about tonight's game.
2: I feel kind of the same way. I I have to admit that I mean I think I guess other than the playing tournament, the thought crossed my mind for the first time after the loss on game five that this season could be ending soon. And obviously I hope that doesn't happen, but I mean, it's been such an amazing season. I just feel like across the board, everyone is like, can we please have this continue as long as possible and and get into the second round and how glorious that would be to be able to win this series. So um, I have a little bit of nerves as well, but um, I think I'm going to be able to make it through and be able to tweet and sit at my laptop and get through the, the 48 minutes successfully.
1: Well, Jim, Jim, you might actually make midnight deadline this time around. What do you think?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's excellent. That's excellent. I, I I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that have been going to sleep at two or 3 AM, including fans who've been beyond excited after some of these wins, it's like impossible to get your adrenaline and your emotions back down to the point where you can go to sleep. So I'm happy about that. I hope people can, also get to the arena. I know there's gonna be a lot of people getting out of work um, that are gonna have to rush to get to the game, but hopefully we can get the whole arena filled before tip off. I know that they were talking, I don't know what they did, but I know they were talking about having like Pierre issue a permission slip to people that that they could leave work early from their boss. I feel like that's something that every boss in the area should feel obligated to do that. And you can tell them I said it as, as well. That if if your employees need to leave by three or four o'clock in the afternoon, darn it, you got to get that that done.
0: All right, so uh, Jim Hopper handing out permission slips throughout the day will make. Dr.
1: Sure Jim, I'm correct. calling him Doctor Jim. He's signing them. Doctor
0: Jim signing <laughs> prescriptions. Signing definitely, prescriptions. definitely. Yep. Aaron, since you've been in the arena for games three and four, and now will be for tonight for game six, can you describe what you've been able to witness as far as the atmosphere inside the Smoothie King Center, what that has meant to this team? Um, when playing these
1: games? Um, well, one, I will I will tell you that I, I heard yesterday there were a few pundits saying that they uh, that New Orleans might, might have the best or most noticeable home floor advantage in the playoffs. There ain't no might about it. All right. New like that place is rocking. It is literally white noise. In fact, when Jim Eichenhofer and I are sitting next to each other, like practically breathing on one another and still can't hear each other. <laughs> you know it's loud when, right? Like that's the scenario. Um, I, I will also tell you guys, I, I someone asked me prior to games three and four, prior to coming here for the, the first home set, um, they asked me how this playoff atmosphere um, might compare to that of 2018, right? Like in the, in the sweep of Portland, which was a run for the ages, one we'll never forget, especially that that day, April 21st, 2018, when they became the first seed or lower to sweep a higher seed and what have you. Um, I, I think my answer to that prior to the weekend was, well, it's kind of like a 1A, 1B sort of situation, you know, two totally different teams, different cultures, different journeys. I can confidently sit here today and tell you guys that after Sunday night, especially, um, I've not embraced in my nine seasons covering this team, I have not experienced a fan base quite like this one. And not just in, in terms of being the loudest or most raucous, in terms of truly embracing this team from top to bottom, every contributor. I made a joke that like, I mean, and I mean it, it's genuine when Tony Snellikin hits the floor, they're cheering just as loud for him as they are Brandon Ingram. I don't know if I've ever experienced that in my nine seasons covering this team, Jim.
2: Yeah, I can definitely verify that there were a couple of times where you were trying to say something and I could not hear you and you had to repeat it like six times. And I was starting to get a little embarrassed because I don't know if it's because my hearing is declining or <laughs> what, but that was pretty incredible just to have that happen where I'm like, uh, what did you say? Uh, and we were
1: having to like Morse code it to yeah. each other.
2: <laughs> right. Can you write, <laughs> I had to mouth, can you write this on a piece of paper? But no, I, it- I agree with what you said about the fan base. I mean, it's, I think one of the comparisons I would make between um, 2018 and now is that even though I think that team kind of took the city by storm, in some ways it came out of nowhere in terms of how hot it got in the second half of the season, as well as the way it closed out the regular season. And then obviously with the sweep of Portland, but I think this team in terms of the personalities and the individuals on the roster is more beloved and embraced than that team was. I feel like this team, for whatever reason it's and some of it is just the specific guys of this background stories that they have player um, there's players that people can kind of relate to as far as obviously Jose Alvarado, his story is incredible. Um, Herb Jones, people have loved him from day one, just the way he's all business and he doesn't really show much emotion, but just goes out there and gets the job done and does amazing things as a rookie. Um, across the board this is such a likable group of players that I feel like that has added an element to the support and maybe even the volume that we're hearing at games is it's not just you know they're a team that's wearing uniforms that say New Orleans a team that represents the city but also just you know the type of guys that people have seen some of the interviews that people have watched all year you can just tell this is such an easy group of players to root for so you add that Combine that with the way the team started, and it's just so much fun to see where they where they are right now during the postseason. I'm glad you brought up Jose Alvarado and Herb Jones because I saw a graphic
0: that it blows everyone out of the water as far as rookie minutes in the playoffs where the Pelicans are by far leading the way. And I feel like when we began this series, Aaron, that was really one of the big goals, no matter what the result was, was get these young guys to playoff experience that will help them build toward the future. And now you're seeing... Jose Alvarado being talked about everywhere based on his play, based on him pestering Chris Paul, based on the eight-second counts, he's able to get Herb Jones not allowing Chris Paul to help him up. You saw a little bit of attitude from him. Normally he's a cool, calm, and collected guy. You saw a little bit of, of a different Herb Jones in game four. How valuable has this been for those two? And we can't forget about Trey Murphy, too, hitting some big shots in the series, just how impactful the rookies have been um, in the series against the number one team in the NBA.
1: Well, listen. I will. I will tell you this. Um, for those that that might have taken, and I say for those those Suns fans that might have taken mm-hmm. offense to Herb Jones uh, refusing Chris Paul's yes. hand, how dare he? Up, um, he's reciprocating what CP three has brought his entire career. Right, like he's that CP three has been that traditional, you know, irritant. He's played with that ferocity and and that kind of that that mental warfare, so to speak. And uh, hey don't be mad that Herb and Jose are coming at you with that same sort of mentality. And, and uh, you know, they're not, they're not running from what, from what you've done for so long. Right. Um, I think I respect that. I think Jose said it best. He's like, we're not running from the smoke. I mean, if anything, you know, they're, they're uh, they didn't just go at Chris Paul Sunday y'all like they held him to one of his worst playoff performances of his career. Um, And and this is from a group of guys that at one point posed in like a Scooby-Doo and a hot dog costume yeah. and like the rookie what was that was it jim and was the that Flintstones. like a, trey
0: was a i think trey was a flintstone as maybe well. that was, was that we
1: had scooby-doo flintstone and like a hot dog,
0: hot dog right? yeah jose was the hot dog herb jones was scooby-doo and i think trey was a flintstone i might yeah be that
2: hot. was that was the yeah. open practice at yeah. um at nickel state nickel. where they had to they always have the rookies do some kind of um hazing type thing you know one year it was they had to sing karaoke which generated the famous nikhil alexander walker video where he was yes singing that so i guess that's what they came up with this year was that they had to wear costumes at the end of the open practice so that's where that photo
1: came Jim, from. Jim and Daniel, tell me you looked at that photo back when when they were at Nickel State, and you were like, "Those three, if any, two of those three are going to play the most minutes in the playoffs among all the among all rookies." Like two, I think, like Jose and Herb are like two of the top five in terms of minutes played among rookies. Tell me that those three would be holding a future Hall of Famer and Chris Paul uh, to one of his worst playoff outings ever in the postseason.
0: <laughs> that's yeah, the- I, think, I think that's the thing that we we keep talking about is they continue to improve as the games go on. And yeah, when we didn't know what to expect from this team, even after one in 12, Jose wasn't in the rotation. He was still trying to f- fight his way onto, onto the team going through the G league and then getting up here and then not playing. And Herb Jones is, ends up starting. And you're like, wow, we, you see what he can do on defense and continues to do that throughout the playoffs. I think that's, what's so special about this is, is they're showing that the moment is not too big for them, and to have your two rookies that have not experienced these atmospheres like they have, both of them have said that they've never played in a in an atmosphere like this. Yeah, Jose and Herbert played in the NCAA tournament, but that's it's a whole different feeling when you're talking about a playoff game that's shown all around the world. So, I feel like this experience is invaluable for for, for what they're able to accomplish here.
2: Most of the rookies in the NBA, especially the guys that are picked in the top part of the draft don't even get to beat their teams. Don't even make the playoffs. Right. I mean, there's a few guys. I mean, one thing that exception is Scotty Barnes for Toronto who won rookie of the year, his team is in the playoffs and they're giving Philadelphia a run for their money right now. So that is kind of an exception, but not only are these three guys getting it, their teams got to the playoffs, but they're also playing a ton. As we mentioned, I mean, there's a lot, there are a lot of rookies who are on good teams who get their chances and their spots here or there throughout the regular season, but As you get to the playoffs, their teams kind of say, you know what, you did a good job this year, but we're going to have to go with some of the veteran guys and you'll be ready next year to perform more. So for them to be in this, in this situation where the team is relying so heavily on them is great to see. And I think also just bodes well for the future. Just the fact that they're able to do this already is, is so impressive. And um, one quick thing I would, was going to throw in um, this didn't happen. This didn't end up being the case, but was I the only one that was watching the fourth quarter of game five thinking these Phoenix fans have been booing Jose Al- Alvarado all night and he's become the villain? And when the Pelicans got within six or seven points on the scoreboard, I think a lot of those fans were sitting there saying, This guy's gonna ruin our season. Of all the people that <laughs> of all the people that we've been we we targeted, and 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 we we all get it, we understand. Like we don't know the Phoenix players well enough to know they're all of their stories and their background. And I'm sure that's the case with um, Suns fans that they don't, and and you're going to boo opposing players regardless of how great, um, how awesome this, the personal story is because they're playing against you and they're trying to take something from you that you want. But it was just funny from my perspective. I feel like. I mean, if Louis, anything,
1: we should thank Phoenix. Cause it's like, that's like, that just, right. flew, you know what I mean? Like, like that, right. that match. Thanks yep. you all like that. You know what I mean? Like he feeds off of that. Like, have they not learned this? (laughs) And if if Chris Paul thinks telling Jose to get back or crying to the officials enough to tell Jose to get back, which is, which isn't a rule, right? Like Jose, as long as (laughs) David mentioned, Jose could be chilling on the bench if he wanted. He can be anywhere on the floor. So if Chris Paul thinks thinks trying to get him not to do what has been his edge all year is going to work, if anything, Jose is going to come harder. So thank you.
0: Right. You know what's crazy about that is they started setting two screens just to get Chris Paul across half court. I mean, they couldn't even get him across half court without having to set some screens just so to get Jose out of the way. So that's where it shows how much he's been bothering uh, the Phoenix Suns over these last five games. And another thing, this may sound like me being a homer and being biased, and that means I probably am when I mention this, but there are some reports out there that maybe Mr. Booker might be making an appearance, whether it's tonight or Game 7. He's officially ruled out as of now, but there were reports nationally about him potentially coming back. Is that a sign that the Suns are a little worried that they might not get out of this series or that they need their best guy back just to, just to finish the job? Because that's kind of the sign I get for a, a guy that was supposed to be out for a couple of weeks here and was supposed to maybe not even return for the first part of, of Round 2 if they were able to get there. Now, all of a sudden, is saying, I might need the play in order to get this job done. Is that, is that just me being a Pelicans fan at heart and the Pelicans employee? Or is there maybe something a little more to that, Aaron?
1: Hmm. So you're <laughs> saying the top seed, uh, the team that recorded the best regular season record, might be a little nervous in game six against a play-in tournament winner?
0: That's exactly hmm. what I'm saying, yes.
1: Okay, so... <laughs> So for those one to that point, Daniel. For those that maybe aren't fans of the play-in tournament or don't think it matters, how about both play-in winners right now taking it to the top yep. two seeds in the league? In fact, they might be the only two series that sees that could see seven games, right? right. Mm-hmm. They might be the only two. I mean, they're taking it. It's unbelievable. And so, I think the fact that Fe- like the fact that Phoenix is dare I say, fearing yeah. New Orleans. They're
0: entertaining actually, this thought.
1: <laughs> is a small, small victory that we should at least be celebrating right now in New Orleans. That said, David Wesley has, has uh, he's expanded on this quite a bit on the show in terms of like hamstring injuries because we've had, a, you know, we've had a couple, obviously, you know, it's kind of been a, a, a pretty common injury throughout the league this year. And David said, just when you think you're ready to return following a hamstring injury... You start, you start stopping, starting, pivoting, running backward. You quickly realize you're not as ready as maybe you thought. Okay, if this game was played in straight lines, if you're just running like straight, straight sprints up and up, that's one thing. But, but David said this is this is tough to come back from. So I think even if he did uh, try to return tonight, he's not. He's still not going to be the, the the Booker we'd seen all season. What do you think, Jim?
2: Yeah, I think to to kind of. Um answer the, your question, Daniel. I think if they're up 3-1 earlier in the series, if they were up 3-1 after four games, would we hear, you know, Booker's going to come back? I seriously doubt it. I think if they were in a position where, you know, there's not, re- they're not really being threatened, they would probably say, you know, they would probably just rule him out and say, you know, he doesn't need to come back because we we'll, we should be able to close the series out, especially um, with a home game in game five, like they had. Obviously that wasn't the case. So I, I definitely think there is some element to that. Of as far as there's no way you would put him in any kind of jeopardy with the injury that he has, if you weren't concerned about the possibility of the season not continuing beyond the first round. Um, other quick thing I would say too about the injury report. I mean, I think if he's listed as out, I don't think there's. I don't think. I'm not sure how to put this. I I don't want to say he can't it? play. He can't play tonight, but. I mean, you – I would think you're sub, subject to some kind of fine because you can't – that would be totally uh, misleading, erroneous to list the guys out and then have him play. He would have to be listed as, as doubt – at least doubtful, I would think, for him to be able to get on the court tonight based on the way that the rules of injury reporting work in the NBA. Yeah, I'll have to look because I think that happened to the
0: Pelicans or a team they were facing earlier this year where I think I asked someone, I'm like, can they switch this if they were ruled out early – and I don't remember the answer because I barely remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. So I don't know what exactly the answer was, but uh, we'll see what happens. And either way, it is like Aaron mentioned, I think a sign of what the Pelicans have been able to do in this series, despite being down three-two, that they've given Phoenix everything they had. And I assuming again, it's just me speculating that Phoenix went into this series. I know they envisioned a healthy Devin Booker, but I think they also envisioned the series already being done and then focusing on who they would play. In round number two. So the fact that we're in this position now and potentially thinking about a game seven, I think just shows what the Pelicans are able to do. And it, it, it seems to be, you know, the, they've been the talk seems like of the postseason right now, just how impressive they've been able to, to handle themselves in the series.
2: You, you know, to, one quick thing to Aaron's point about the play in tournament teams being successful and threatening some of the top seeds. To me, we've discussed this a little bit before, but to me, the Pelicans aren't a normal eight seed. I mean, they had a, a very good second half of the season. Um, there aren't many eight seeds that add a player like CJ McCollum in February. If, if CJ was on the team the entire season, they probably wouldn't be, wouldn't have been. I mean, they finished ninth place in, in the standings, but they probably would have finished higher than that by maybe a couple spots or a few spots. So, I mean, it's kind of a bad luck of the draw for Phoenix. I think that they ended up facing a team that is probably – I think it's definitely a lot better than the 36 and 46 record that they finished with. Also, if you look at the way that they played again in the second half of the season, when after the McCollum trade and when Brandon Ingram was playing, I can't remember exactly what the numbers are now, but at one point they were like 12 and four with, with that being in those situations. So, I mean, they're not a team that really is your typical eight seed that snuck in, even though record wise, you could say, yeah, they, they, they snuck into the postseason, but I mean, to me, that there's a lot of reasons why they're a lot better than that, and I think the Timberwolves are kind of the same way that they, they, um, they they had a lot better second half of the season. Um, they've been a good team all year, and I mean, that's how you end up with two teams like this that are dangerous in the first round.
1: So what's funny is the same could kind of be said on the other side in the East, like when when Boston was was matched up with oh poor Celtics, they got to meet yeah. Brooklyn first round, sign of the cross. <laughs> preseason title favorite was not only bounced they were swept first time in Kevin Durant's postseason career he was swept um and so as David 80 and I joke on the show as as we have this series if it's one thing we know about this playoff is that we really don't know anything <laughs> it's yeah. that we have no idea what, what's ahead I mean no one no one thought this one had potential to go game seven so um I don't know it's it's been it's been so much fun and and you know I think you guys will respect this particular comment from AD um as much as as much as David and I did because you know you you can relate but AD the other night on the post game show after the game four win mentioned um he again he's always he's always he's he's much hipper than I so he's got to teach me some of like what the kids say these days and apparently (laughs) there's the term get it out the mud right that's what a lot of the Get it out the mud. So get it out the mud is basically is, is essentially rising from something or somewhere where you felt stuck. 80 mm-hmm. minutes when you get it out the mud together, you have this greater appreciation. Once once you do make that rise, you have this greater appreciation for where you are, knowing where you were. And we were all there when they were one and 12 and 3 and 16, and we've all been a part. Of, of this rise, so to speak in this journey. And I think it, it, we all have like this greater appreciation for where this team sits today, knowing where they came.
0: It's a very well said statement there from ADNU Aaron, as far as what they've been able to do here and get to this point. So before I let you all go, how do we get to a game seven? What adjustments that's been the buzzword for five games now adjustments from both sides. And we've seen the alternating wins back and forth from these two teams. Uh Aaron, I'll start with you and then go Jim. How do, how does the Pelicans force a game seven on Saturday uh, with a win tonight?
1: Dance with the one that brung you. That's like one of my favorite sayings. Just do do what you do what got you here. Do what you do well, right? Like why veer from it now? It it's work to get you here. Get back it, get back to um one, get JD going early again. That seems yep. to be working for. Uh no, but but get, with pace. Like this team is going well when they're playing with pace and they're playing in transition and they're, they're irritating defensively and creating that transition offense. Um, and when they're getting in the paint, I mean, we learned that in game four. I think they had, they had 54, correct me if I'm wrong, 54 points in the paint on Sunday, which I think was the first time this series, they had 50 or more in the paint when they, when they did so 40 times in the regular season, right? So again, getting yeah. back to what you did well all year long um, so yeah, pace, physicality, um, uh, paint and just irritate the heck out of, out of CP3, man. Continue. Like, you know what I mean? Like Jose and Herb, you better believe they're gonna, they're not, they're not running from smoke as the kids say, Jim.
2: We'll look for a couple more eight second violations. That, so that they will be something that we'll keep track of. And if we have one or two more of those, I think that'll be a good sign. Um, no, I, I agree with you, especially the part about playing with pace. I feel like it's been interesting to see which team has been more aggressive from game to game. I feel like in the games that the Pelicans have been kind of a step faster than the Suns, and they've gotten into their offense quickly, the results have been so much better. And I feel like in, in general, throughout the course of the season, new Orleans, maybe it's because their defense has been better at home, but they're able to get more fast break opportunities in the smoothie King center than they have been on the road. And I think they really need to do that against Phoenix because as the sun showed in game five, when they can set their defense and play you in the half court. I mean, with the the defense of bridges and eight had four blocks, I think both of them had four blocks in the last game. Um, they can make it tough for you. So I think that's definitely one of the biggest keys is that the Pelicans need to avoid some of these possessions where they're six seconds left on the shot clock and they haven't really gotten into the offense or they're still trying to, you know, find a good look late in the clock. The other thing, key that i would say tonight is um they need to they've been kind of playing with fire throughout the whole series in terms of being down rough right off the bat i think they need to get off to a better start and get the momentum of the crowd and the, the everything into it earlier the sons have had the lead at halftime in every game so far and i mean it's pretty tough to do that every single game against the best team in the league and still end up with good results i mean to the pelicans credit they have been able to overcome that obviously twice And win games. In game four, they just dominated the second half. So that was a 15 point win. But I want to see New Orleans um, be the be the aggressor right off the bat and get out to a good lead and, you know,
0: be able to ride it from there. Yeah, some good points. And if we're going to talk about mud, the Phoenix Suns have kind of muddied up these games that they've been able to win oh. there we go the theme is mud yeah. today i guess i don't know why that is had a
1: couple cups of coffee this morning larry nance was behind you while you were eating cereal this morning wasn't he oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah Daniel.
0: i Man. have two kids under That's under four so i need i need all the hype i can get every every <laughs> morning I and mean, the cups of coffee start at 5 a.m and go all the way to the break of dawn so yes i i am ready and puns are my thing so whatever we can bring them up I will make sure I do. So trying to make Larry proud as always, but yeah, they've been muddying up this entire series and that really kind of breaks the fast pace, the transition that Jim talked about. So I feel like that's gotta be a thing where they get out early and that fast start has been huge. Like you mentioned, taking a crowd out early, which Phoenix has been able to do in some of these home games has been tough for the Pelicans to recover. And the same thing where the Suns got out to a good start the other night and got their crowd into it early. And it really kind of shaped how things went. So the first five minutes of the ball game has been my key to the game every single one and I think that's going to stay for for game six so here we go game six tonight 6 30 p.m make sure you get out there early again Jim will be signing permission slips throughout the day at Jim underscore I can <laughs> offer. Aaron will be out in the atrium from 5 30 to 6 30 correct Aaron you'll be signing autographs as well as hosting a, a pre-game show is that correct
1: well, I'll be taking photos of David and AD with with the fans. That's I'm the I'm a professional pregame photographer at this point. <laughs> so come on out and see us.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So and make sure if you're not inside the arena to watch the game on Valley Sports New Orleans. Everyone talks about the national perspective from these from these people, but there's no one that's been watching every single game and doing every game like Valley Sports. So make sure you tune into them. And we'll be on the radio tonight. Tograph Nini, John the Shazer, Aaron Summers. We'll be outside as well on the opposite end. At 5 30. And again, make sure you get there early. 4 30 to 6 will be that fan fest on Dave Diction Drive. So it's going to be a beautiful day. Get out there early, have some drinks, have some food, and uh bring the noise. That's easily the biggest key of the game tonight. Bring the noise. And we'll hopefully be talking to you next week with a game or a round two preview against either the Mavericks or the Jazz. For Aaron Hardigan, for Jim Mike or I'm Daniel Sallerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Geek.